Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Diving stop, Singer. Toss on off the first. In time to get seven. Three-run homer. Robinson can off the lefty specialist, Fernando Abad. And the Mariners lead it five to four. Goodbye, baseball. Straight away, center field. Cano and Cruz go back to back. And the king, when the Mariners needed him the most, two hits over seven. Scoreless innings. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. And welcome back, Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast, at Mariners Pod on Twitter. At Gary Hill Jr. is where you can find me. You can always email me as well. Gary Hill, PXP at gmail.com. Thanks for being here. As the Mariners, that was a great ball game last night. The Mariners beat the Tigers in game one of the four game series. The Mariners have now won a couple in a row. And they, again, climbing close to that 500 mark. So many times have been right there on the cusp of getting over the top of 500, have not been able to do it. Maybe it will happen with this homestand. They continue to play great baseball at Safeco Field. 21-13 and 13 at Safeco Field now this year as they beat the Tigers 6-2. to two. We're going to get to the highlights in just a second. We'll get to Mike Zanino's monster night in just a second. Also coming up on the podcast, Rick Riz in the 40th anniversary season sits down with the Bowen, Jay Buhner. Great conversation on the way. And I had a chance to catch up with Bernie Smith, who you may have heard from in years past, but it's a fun conversation. If you haven't heard it, I think you'll enjoy it. He's one of what I have learned from doing this podcast, one of the many international Mariners fans. He comes to visit every single year, once a year. He comes for a homestand and uh, had a chance to talk to him. He was at the last homestand, the one with the Minnesota Twins. So it's always fun. I love hearing from the international folks around the world listening to this podcast, Mariners fans. In fact, I haven't done this in a while. I think the last time I did it was last year, maybe in two years ago. But let me know where you're listening from because I love hearing all the different places. It's always astounding, all the different places, the different countries, different parts of the world where people are listening to this podcast and following the Mariners. So tweet me at Gary Hill Jr. I'll go through them the next uh, couple of days on the podcast. 
at Gary Hill Jr., or you can email me as well, GaryHillPXP at gmail.com. Where in the world are you listening to this? And if you're in the United States, that's fine. You can you can email me as well or send me a tweet. But, yeah, I always love hearing that. So the Mariners beat the Tigers 6-2. to two. It was a game where the Tigers scored one in the third, one in the fifth. So they had a 2 nothing lead going to the bottom of the fifth. And talk about pushing all the right buttons. In a game where Hanniger is given the night off, Yermo Heredia batting second in the order. And what do you know? He ties up this game with one big swing. It's the stretch and the pitch. Swing and a well-hit ball. Deep into the gap in left center field. Going and going. This one is gone. Goodbye baseball. Guillermo Heredia, his fifth home run of the season. Left center field has tied the game. It's the Mariners 2, the Tigers 2. Here in the bottom of the fifth inning. How about that? So game tied 2-2 two to two going to the sixth, and that's when Mike Zanina would strike with one of his two long balls in this ball game. This one gives the Mariners the lead. 3-2 pitch to Zanina. Runner goes. Pitch. We're going through the deep to left. Way wow. drive. That baby's gone. Into the bullpen of Detroit. The Mariners take a 4-2 lead. Mike Zanino just continues to rock on. His 24th RBI. Home run number eight gives it 28 RBIs on the season. Mike Zanino is on fire. And he was not done. He smashed another two-run blast as well in the eighth. The pitch on the way, swinging a fly ball into deep center field. Going back, Romine to the one. He tracked to the wall. Goodbye, baseball. Zanino does it again. Mike Zanino's second two-run home run of the night. His ninth of the season, he drives in four runs tonight, and again, Dyson is aboard, and now the Mariners have a 6-2 to two lead over the Tigers, and what a night for Mike Zunino. And he is on a different planet right now. Two home runs in the ballgame, eight home runs in his last 14 games since May 29th. He's got 26 ribbies on the month including 13 in his last six games. He's got the most RBIs in the month of June in the big leagues. And we talked about it on the podcast yesterday. We talked about the all-time leaders, all-time RBI leaders in a month, 33. And he's got a legit shot at cracking that mark with nine games to go in the month. Still a lot of time in the month to go. Of course, he's a catcher, so he won't play every single one of those games the rest of the way, which I guess points out how much more remarkable that is, that he's in this conversation despite the fact he is a catcher, doesn't play every day. Uh, You know, he takes every fifth day off or whatever because of the nature of the position. And you look at June RBIs. Edgar has the most June RBIs in Mariners history. In 95, he is 32. But Zanino tied for fifth. Presley in 86 at 29. Brett Boone at 28 in 2001. Abanez in 2006 at 27. And then Sexton had 26 in 2006. And that's where Mike Zanino sits. So, So his massive month continues. And now when you start to stack up his season numbers next to other American League first basemen, 
and it's looking very comparable to the best the American League has to offer at at the catcher position. His nine home runs, that is fifth best amongst all catchers in the American League. His 30 RBIs in the season, fourth best. Ten doubles, fourth best. Unscored, sixth best. He has put himself up quickly with the leaders in the American League in terms of production, which is awfully impressive. And just two massive home runs in this one. Gavilio, great job on the mound. Goes five, gives up three hits, two earned runs. He did walk four and fan one, but he kept the Tigers at bay. 84 pitches. Heredia, two hits, drives in two. Zanino, the two home runs. Don't overlook Dyson's ball game. He had three hits. He was aboard for two of those home runs. Both home runs, I should say. Scored a couple of runs. But I saved this for last. The bullpen was enormous in this one. In the sixth inning in particular, Ciszek comes on to relieve Gavilio, gets a ground ball to shortstop, gets Cabrera out. J.D. Martinez walked. Upton would single, and then an error would load the bases. They're loaded up, and Pazos comes on. He gets a strikeout looking. So bases loaded, now two outs, and then he would end the inning. Here comes the 0-2 pitch to Andrew Romine. Fastball, swung on and missed, struck him out. Just what the Mariners needed, two strikeouts, get out of the bases loaded situation. And then Zanino would pop the home run in the bottom of the inning, and the Mariners had the lead. Vincent comes on in the seventh. The 0-2 on the way to Matuk. Swing and a miss for strike three, and that will retire the side. What a job by Nick Vincent tonight. And he completes the eighth as well. Vincent, spectacular. And then Diaz closes it down. Impressive, impressive from the bullpen. Three and two-thirds innings combined. One hit, no runs, one walk, and four strikeouts between Pazos, Vincent, and Diaz. And those three... I think quietly, unless you're in Seattle and really have been paying close attention, but those three have formed an elite group at the end of games. And I don't use the word elite lightly, but you look at the past month of work from May 19th till today. They've combined Diaz, Vincent, and Pazos for a 0.79 ERA. Opponents batting 172 against them. They've only walked nine. They've fanned 35 and 34 innings of work. The fact of the matter is when the Mariners have had leads late in ball games, and those three have been unleashed, they have won ball games. They have closed down games consistently. I mean, Vincent is on a ridiculous run. Three earned runs in his first three games, an ERA around one since then. He has been scoreless in now 25 of his last 26 outings. Automatic. I mean, those three have been awesome for the Mariners. And Diaz, I mean, he's just throwing 100. He is lights out. And this was a nice win for the Mariners. They've won a couple in a row. Here's what the skip said after the game. Emilio kind of does what he's been doing. You know, he hangs in there, gives us a chance. He kind of... Manages way through trouble. The beginning, obviously, you got the double play ball. The bases loaded, nobody out. That really limited damage there. And 
Uh, you know, it hasn't been so great for him. We run him out in the six, so try to go to C-Shack there. And he actually got the double play ball. We didn't convert it. Uh, but, you know, Pazos really came in. A huge moment in the game, stepped up. Um, and I think, you know, everybody's excited. You know, Zanino, great night with the bat. Uh, the thing for me that stood out tonight for Zanino, we've talked a lot with him about, is like, you know, managing the game, running the game. I thought he did a great job with Pazos to get him through the sixth inning. You know, he got, went to the breaking ball when he had to. He elevated. He went to the mound. I mean, those are the type of things winning catchers do. And we love the home runs, believe me. I love them as much as anybody. But taking that next step as far as leading our pitching staff was huge tonight. Yeah, it really came through. And Vincent steps up, and, you know, uh, it was enough. Um, you know, they got a good hitting ball club. You know, we know that coming in. It's going to be a challenge for us. And uh, we've got a few, few homers, and you know, already it finds a way to, to chip in again. So um, good ball game. Um, you know, we got enough out of our, our bullpen to, to hold them right there, which was, which was huge. Mason gave you a little bit of boost, too, and that he has been for the last few weeks. He really has. You know, his on-base percentage continues to rise. He certainly gets the, the, the right-handers, and, uh, you know, he's got a little thing going. He, he, uh, he's telling Zanino the reason he's hitting all the home runs because Dyson's hitting ahead of him, and he's always on base. There might be some truth to that. I don't know. I certainly know that uh, Dice can get the pitcher's attention uh, on him and uh, getting a few more pitches to Mike to hit. Maybe that helps out, but we're good with it because he's, you know, he's done a really nice job. Pazos, that's a little bit of a bounce back. He had two troubles yesterday. Yeah, Pazos has been, yeah, he's been really consistent all year, except for yesterday. You know, we brought him in a, in a tough spot and didn't, really didn't have a good release point and, and walked a hitter. But, you know, talking to him before the game, um, you know, he knows that Detroit's prime. You know, predominantly right-handed hitters. He's just, give, just give me the ball. I don't care who's up, you know. And uh, he's got the nice stash working, too. So uh, and we're 2-0 and since he's gone to the stash. So have a little fun with the guys. That's, that's okay. <laughs> Nick's got a lot of confidence right now, and we certainly trust him um, against anything right, left-handed, who's ever middle of the lineup. Um, big point in the game tonight. I thought it was important to get him in there against Cabrera, and he did a nice job against him. Uh, but you know, Vincent's been really key, you know, for our bullpen. And everybody talks about the, you know, the closer, but it's the guy to get you to the closer, and, and he's really been consistent all year long. All right. Awesome. Yeah, good for him. Uh, again, I've said it. Keep saying it. Um, it just the quality of the bats has been been outstanding and fouling off some tough pitches and then you know, I got one to pull out of the park and then the last one off Rodriguez was pretty impressive. We all know how hard it is to go that far in this ballpark for the right-handed hitter and nailed it. It was awesome. Did you get any reports on Iwakuma? I did. I know Kuma uh, struggled a little bit in the second inning. Uh, I don't have the pitch counts or I didn't see the line or anything like that. Uh, I haven't gotten a report on Segura, so we'll evaluate that. And can't wait to hear that evaluation coming up tomorrow as Segura gets closer to returning to what is already a lineup that is bashing the baseball. It'll be great to fit him in as well. Iwakuma getting closer to coming back as well. Mariners take game one of this series. Game two coming up tonight, 7-10 first pitch. Ariel Miranda will take the mound, 6-3, He'll look to bounce back after a tough start. He has been awesome at home this year. Opponents just batting a buck 85 against him at Safeco Field this year. 3 and 1 with a 2-1-4 ERA in 6 starts, 42 innings thrown, 10 earned runs allowed, just 3 homers, 11 walks, he's punched out 35. 
Compares numbers to the road, 6.56 ERA on the road, 11 homers on the road compared to three at home. Opponents also batting 277 against him away from Safeco Field, almost 100 points higher than at home. So Miranda gets the ball as the Mariners look for game two of this series. They'll be facing Jordan Zimmerman. The righty on the hill, 5-5 five and five with a 5-3-5 ERA. But although the overall number is not overwhelming, he is pitching his best baseball of the season. His June has been very good. His last three starts, he's thrown 20 innings of baseball, allowed just 19 hits, five earned runs. He's walked five and struck out 14. So a 2-2-5 ERA. His ERA had ballooned to 6.47 when the calendar turned to June, but his last three have been much, much better. He's already faced the Mariners once this year. He allowed five runs in six innings, but that was the ball game in Detroit where uh, the Tigers just went nuts, and they scored 19 runs in the ball game. And Zimmerman, the beneficiary of that giant output, so he ended up getting the win that day. So Zimmerman against Miranda, game two of the series. And then Paxton Verlander comes up on Wednesday. We'll talk about that more in the podcast tomorrow. But Mariners look for game two of the series. Well, right now, let's hand things over to Rick Riz as he sits down with the bone, Jay Buner. I want to talk to you about your career here in Seattle. You started off originally drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates. You go to the Yankees. You come up with the Yankees. You play for Billy Martin. And then the trade, Kenny Phelps. You come over to Seattle. What were some of your fondest memories? You spent a lot of time here. Is that possible for you to do, to talk about one of your fondest memories here in Seattle? Without a doubt, you know, you have mixed emotions when you get traded. Coming up through the Yankee organization was probably one of the, it was a very special moment for me because it taught me a lot about myself. We won at every level, and so I think that turned me into the player that I am. So when I got traded over to Seattle, I kind of brought some of that uh, pride with me. And as you know, it was uh, some lean years early on with, with the Mariners. But it was a great opportunity for me to come over and make a name for myself, knowing I was going to get a chance to go out and play every day. Lo and behold, Lou Pinella, who was uh, basically at the tail end right before I got traded, was with the Yankees. Comes over to Seattle and becomes a skipper, and, you know, things just immediately started to change. And um, I think just his presence, his attitude, his basically accountability basically changed changed the whole scenery here in Seattle. It was unbelievable. From the first couple of years, like I said before, that were lean and then till basically Lou coming in, it just it was an incredible ride starting in, you know, ninety four. What was it like playing for Lou? Oh my goodness. Uh, there were some highs, there were some lows. He didn't want to get in his doghouse. <laughs> you know, he basically had an open door policy and he was willing to listen to what you have to say, but you better be willing to listen to what he had to say. He never held a grudge and he'd flush it. And that's the great thing about Lou. If you're one of his everyday guys, he's going to continue to get you out there. If you struggle, you're back out there. If you're a pitcher and you have a rough go, he's getting you back out on the uh, on the horse again. He always had your back. He always battled and stood up for his players. And at the end of the day, he was a hell of a manager. He always out out basically managed, out coached, out thought the other manager was always thinking ahead. And it started from the first pitch of the game. And not only that is his resume. I mean, you look at his resume. He was a rookie of the year. 
had a nice career as a player, became a GM, became a manager, became a, he was a scout, he was a crush. I mean, he, his resume basically was everything in baseball. So when he came over here and brought over his coaching staff from Cincinnati that had a ring, it really changed the environment. As you know, it needed to be changed and it was quick and it wasn't, it didn't take long. 94, obviously the, you know, the strike shortened year. We're starting to get things going, but 95, you know what happened in 95 and how special and magical that dream ride was. That was the start of a lot of really special years for this organization. Swung on, hit well into right center field. Back goes Sierra, and that ball is off the wall and gets away from Blankenship. Around second, he's going for three, and the third is offline. Buter with a triple. Not only that, he becomes the first Mariner in history to hit for the cycle. Would you believe it? Jay, you were the first Mariner to hit for the cycle. You had so many great games in 1995, the great catches, a lot of huge home runs. Do you remember your best day in a Mariners uniform? I'll be honest with you, uh, the most special moment of me wearing a uniform was not in a Seattle Mariner uniform. It was my first day to ever st step on the big league ball field, and my first game ever as a, as, as a professional player when I was in the Yankee pinstripes. And then, obviously, when I came over to Seattle, getting a chance to play every day, you can't pick one game. The 95 was such a magical, it, it wasn't one game, it was, it was one unbelievable year. It was the most unbelievable ride that I've ever been a part of. To, to go from basically a ball club that was trying to stay afloat, trying to save baseball, trying to stay in Seattle, trying to win ball games, to all of a sudden battling all the way back and to finish with the storm the way we finished. I'd have to say without a doubt, that in itself is one of the most special moments of my life. You guys saved baseball in Seattle in 1995, no question about it. You were 13 and a half games out of first place on August the 1st. You kept winning, the Angels kept losing. The one game playoff against the Angels, Langston against Johnson. But during that stretch, you were the heart and soul of this. Junior, Edgar, Randy, you, Tino, Mike Blowers, the whole crew. But somewhere along the way, as you got closer to the wild card, you said, the heck with the wild card, let's win this division. Do you remember that moment? I do. I remember it was uh, during BP, and um, they were talking about this wild card banner they were going to start putting up uh, out in right field. And I was like, I didn't know anything about it. It was kind of new. It was the it was whole the, wild card. It was the first year. To be honest with you, you're a big league ball player, and it was like, it was new concept. I did know, though, at the end of the day, that if we were relying on the wild card, we were toast. So the only way that we were going to get into it was control our own destiny, and that's to win our division. During BP, I saw him out <laughs> hanging the banner and uh, had some choice words with the poor kid, and and he didn't know if I was serious or kidding around, and I basically said, if you don't get it down, I'm going to come up there and rip the damn thing down myself. And he had mentioned that Lee Palakutis, I had to answer <laughs> Lee Palakutis. I said, I have no problem doing that. Have him come down here and talk to me personally. I didn't want us settling for second fiddle. I just felt in my heart we were winning in so many different ways. Total team effort. There were new heroes every night, which made it so awesome. It was Richie Emerald. It was Doug Strange. It was Alex Diaz. Alex Diaz. Vince Come Coleman. On. Alex Diaz hit a home run right-handed. I go, I didn't see him do that in batting practice. Exactly. And then Tino Martinez taking, you know, everybody's top closer going deep. I mean, it was just like we're winning in ways and the Angels are losing in the, the craziest ways that you could even imagine. And we just knew that we're on this high. It's hard to really explain, but you just get that feeling. If you've ever been in a situation like that you just know we're gonna snatch this away from these guys and we all bought in we all believed it yeah. and so it was the funnest place Rick in the world to be we were in such a hurry to get back to the ballpark 
nobody ever wanted to leave the ballpark because the ways we were winning, it was such a high. That 95, I, I, I know we keep talking about it, but if you were ever a part of that, and the fans too, I mean, come on, they know. They know exactly what I'm talking about because Bill the Beer Man and, and Rick the Peanut Guy and the crowd was going crazy and we were sold out. It was just the buzz was incredible. Thanks a lot for the visit, buddy, here in our 40th anniversary edition. I love you too, buddy. Thanks so much. Thanks for what you do. And it's time for Bernie. Oh, this is always one of my favorite conversations of the year, Bernie Smith. And for people that don't know your story, tell people where you're from. I'm from uh, the UK, Gary, uh, the north of England, uh, a city called Leeds, which is the third third biggest city in in the UK. Uh, And I travel, this is my fifth year, consecutively traveling to to Seattle to see the the Mariners. They're my team and I've stayed with them uh, since the 90s. I've been following them but just the last five years I've actually uh, had the wherewithal and I've been fortunate to come across to Seattle to watch. I usually watch about six or seven games every trip. So why the Mariners? How did that happen? It goes back to I think it was 95. I was on vacation in North and South Carolina and I was laid on my hotel bed and I was. I love baseball anyway, but I didn't have a team, and I was. I, I was watching the commentary, watching the live, the live feed, and uh, we knew the Yankees. The Yankees to us are like the Real Madrid, the Manchester United, the big, the big franchise. And little Seattle were two 0 down, and I saw them win the two one, and then I, I got. I saw this evil-looking guy who was the epitome of a pitcher, Randy Johnson. He looked everything. He looked like a, a bank robber, an old West End gun, gunslinger, and they came back and. I just got hooked with the Mariners on that franchise on that on that my two-week holiday, and I left for the UK. And obviously, they'd moved on past the Yankees, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, they didn't they didn't win the uh, American League uh, pennant. But I followed them ever since. But it's just fortunate in recent years, I've had the I've been fortunate to be able to save enough money to come across. And uh, and as I say, I look forward to it every year now. I'll go back in uh, on Monday. I go back, head back to the UK, and all the saving starts again for next year. <laughs> So, how do you follow the Mariners? What, you're eight hours ahead, so do you, do you follow them live? What do you do to follow the Mariners on a daily basis? There are a number of, uh, you can get cable, uh-huh. uh, and I think there are I think a couple of the stations do baseball, but they don't do the Mariners, they might do the odd, uh, the odd game of the Mariners. Uh, but I follow it mainly on the app, app uh, and that's deadly, because if, if I had the cable, I'd never get to work. <laughs> if the Mariners were on, any game would be on. I'd, I'd get to 11 or 12 o'clock at night, and then I'd stay for another hour, and then I'd, you know, I'd be in trouble with my with my manager. So what I do, I, I'm at the at bat. If by chance I wake up middle of the night, it's there at side of the bed, and I, I follow it. And I, I love Friday evenings when I go to bed because Saturday the weekend's here. I can be wide awake at three in the morning. I can watch it without worry. <laughs> but it's deadly midweek, and uh, and I must admit the results send me off to work in a good or a bad humour. You know, it's uh, I do take it very very seriously. Well, you were here for the Minnesota series, and you got to see Mike Zanino's walk-off home run. What was that moment like to be here in person for that? Well, to be honest, Gary, I'm a, I'm a big season ticket holder of my local soccer club. Uh, I've been a, I've been a, since I was eight, and the first game was in 66, 67. So I've seen my team win the FA Cup at Wembley. I've seen us win what is now the Premier League. We've won it three times in our history. But I tell people when I go back to the UK... Uh, I saw the Leonis Martin walk-off last year. I was fortunate. Uh, I saw the the Mike Zanino uh, the other night. Uh, that, I thought, was a better one over the two. But I tell people, until you've seen that, uh, and the feeling that, that... I mean, I was jumping around like an absolute <laughs> madman. And even at my soccer team, 
if people would have seen me, they'd have been surprised at my reaction. Uh, and I, went, I walked back up, up, up to my hotel upon the fifth and, and university, mm. and I was buzzing. You know, I was up there. I just, I just wanted to get in the bar and have a, a calming down drink before I went to bed. <laughs> but yeah, it, mean, it meant an awful lot. It, it means I am, I am really keen. You know, people, you know, people think I'm a bit crazy back home, but. But it's amazing. I'm, I'm on a group. I am with a group called uh, Major League Baseball UK, and you'd be surprised how many people, since I joined it in two months ago, how many people are actually over here now in different parts of the states. Uh, a family have been in, watching the Blue Jays uh, the last series up in up in Toronto. Mm. I have a meeting every a couple of meetings weekends in London. So I've just joined that. So I'll be I'll be travelling to meet all the other fans. You know, it, it's bigger than people people think over here. So you're here for your fifth straight, fifth straight time. What else do you enjoy about Seattle? Well, I was lucky. I'm blessed in the sense that I picked the Mariners. If it had been the roughest city on on the planet, I'd have probably just stayed between a hotel and a ballpark and just gone back and forward. But I'm just lucky that Seattle. I, I read into it. I knew I knew what, where it was. I knew all about it. But I'd never visited it. But I'm just lucky that there's so much to do. And every year, I've done the islands. This year, obviously, every. Every uh, year there's a lunch at the top of the Space Needle. Mm -hmm. The tour of the stadium, I've done that again. Uh, a visit to the, the, the team store. I come down in the middle of the afternoon, do all my shopping then and get it back to the hotel. There's lots to see in Seattle. And I'll be honest with you, Gary, um, people that I meet on the street and, and the, the kind of, and the character of the people, they're very much like Northern English people. Mm. In, 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 in England, London's a bit like New York. You know, it's, it's very fast, it's big. The northern people from Liverpool across to Hull on the east coast, that includes Liverpool, Manchester, Leeds. There are warm, you get visitors that are warmer people. You know, we'll sit at a bar and if somebody comes in, we'll talk to them. And, and I find that, I find the Seattle people uh, very similar in character. And I've said that from the first year I came. Very similar, very, lots of similarities in, in the natives to what we are in the north of, of England. Well, Bernie, it is so great to see you once again. We're so happy you're here, and hopefully we'll get you a few more wins while you're here. I hope so, Gary. I'd love to quieten these uh, <laughs> because it's coming downtown today and, and last night. There, there's a lot of them here, so uh, I'd love to, to send them home uh, quiet. We're in the Bronx, New York, the site Yankee Stadium, the house that Ruth built and that can't contain Jay Buhner. Built in 1923 and christened by the Bambino who hit the first home run here, the park was remodeled in 1976, and in the new park, many Mariner memories have been made. The Griffey catch, that we'll tell you about next week, and many, many Mariner home runs, including seven by Jay Buhner, one of them to deepest right center field up on the hitting backdrop where only four others have been, and the most memorable on July the 25th at Yankee Stadium off Wade Taylor. Here's the stretch by Taylor. Davis elite on the 3-2 pitch. Fastball hit high and deep to left field. Way back. Goodbye, baseball. Jay Buhner with a massive home run way out to left field here at Yankee Stadium. Last Saturday night, he hit a bomb in Baltimore, and now he hits a massive bomb here in New York. Unbelievable. Jay that game was an unbelievable game. That blow, an unbelievable blow. The ball was dead on arrival. It landed on top of an ambulance and ended up in the hospital dead. Ah, yes, indeed. The home run traveled 479 feet, the longest ever hit in the 17-year history of the remodeled Yankee Stadium. 
Maybe it's the fact that uh, he was traded to the Mariners for Kenny Phelps in 1988, or maybe it's just the ghosts of Ruth and Gehrig and DiMaggio, Mattel, and the other greats who have played here that inspire the Mariners' own Jay Buhner to such lengths. Whatever it is, we hope it continues. See you later!